This is Hans Akarimsky, and you're listening to GMI. Hello and welcome to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute. This is podcast episode number 41. Today I'm going to be speaking with an up-and-coming guitarist named Honza Krimsky and the subject we'll be talking about is musicians dealing with lockdown and specifically younger musicians, people who are just moving into the world of work from perhaps a long period of practicing and working in amateur or semi-pro outfits to people who have come out of university. Honza is one of those musicians and he's got numerous things to tell us about in terms of his work. He's got a blossoming career and he really is an incredible young guitar player and I think you'll be interested in what he has to say and it's especially pertinent about how young people feel when we deal with uh, these extraordinary times that we're living in. If you have wondered about what's going to happen to music, if you're a musician yourself, in live performance, perhaps Honza has some thoughts he can shine a light on. This is the first time listening to this podcast. My name is Jed Brocky. I run the website and business GMI, which is the Guitar Music Institute. We have a website that is the GMI Guitar Shop, which can be found at www.gmiguitarshop.com Lots of free things for guitarists So hopefully I'll see you there If not, enjoy the show and please look at the other shows that uh, run uh, episode number 41 There are so many episodes there of great content from people from all over the world all walks of life Coming up now is Homza Krimsky dealing with lockdown Honza, it's fantastic to have you on the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am great. I woke up early today, already did a workout, so I'm feeling feeling healthy. Oh, right. Uh, workout. I'm not feeling so healthy suddenly. Um, what's that, a workout? Oh, you're talking about guitar. No, you're not. Anyway, <laughs> um, I want to, as the people know, the show, it's been a while since I've done a podcast, and one of the big things that drew me to asking you about uh, coming on the show was you're a young musician who's really making his mark in the world, but we've got lockdown. And that's what this podcast is all about, lockdown. So before we get into a little about who you are and what you've done, generally speaking, as a young musician, how have you been finding lockdown and as, as your feelings, whatever they may be, indicative of what most young musicians are feeling, do you think? Well, I guess to the first point first, how have I been finding lockdown? I would say every, I think everything has its pluses and its minuses uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of work, in terms of what you can focus on. Uh, I know for me personally, the lockdown has been an opportunity to work on things that I, have, I don't usually have time to work on, usually time-consuming things or things that are perhaps not a primary focus um, musically. But I would say, I mean, obviously the, the biggest downside, again, for me, because I focus mostly on performance, is you have all this time to do all these side projects, but none of them are financially beneficial and perhaps uh, pushing forward your career in the direction that you want to go. Uh, and then to the second point, if I say that um, 
if it like kind of represents what most young musicians are going through, I think people who are focusing on performance uh, like I am are probably going through similar things. And I know loads of my friends have really expanded their teaching variety that they offer. You know, they've, they've done all kinds of things online. They're looking into suddenly looking into marketing and, and all these things. How, how else you can promote yourself through all using using um the internet and obviously that's expanding their skill set as well so i think that that's kind of how i feel most young people in performance are experiencing this you would say it's perhaps not a completely negative experience that you've been going through i would say that it is where you make it and i i think that's really um kind of important to for me at least thinking about lockdown is that you can see this as a nuisance that you know is preventing you from uh, doing the things you usually like doing or the things you usually used to be doing but i think i don't know i you can always get something positive out of, out of a maybe seemingly negative situation yeah well as the plane goes down for example <laughs> <laughs> at least you get a good view out the windy. Yeah, just just about that whole working on different aspects. Have you therefore had to rethink some of the things that you did before in terms of your practice and your study and your composition? Have new work opportunities come about through lockdown? Definitely new opportunities. I would say even opportunities that I didn't see myself doing and now I found an interest in them. As I said, again, it's like a chance to explore new new directions. But I wouldn't say in terms of like the actual practice, I wouldn't say a lot has changed. I, I actually think if we're tra- talking really in terms of like, for example, guitar work, I would actually say that I, I'm even more diligent with, with practice now because you have all this time and you feel like, oh, <laughs> I don't have an excuse to not do that exercise now. So actually, that is that is a change, actually, is a, I would say a positive change. Yeah. You told me uh, when we were discussing this podcast that you're, you've just finished writing a musical and you've been approached about writing another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Um, I, as you can, well, nobody can see, but you can see I've got a theater hoodie on. I have created actually quite a good amount of theater contacts whilst I was at university. Uh, and some of these guys have, are still pursuing their sort of dreams of making theater happen in different capacities now that they're, you know, working full time. And that's kind of yielded a lot of um, opportunities for me to be asked to work. Now, sometimes these are favors for favors. Sometimes they're, you know, um, they, they reap some financial benefits as well. But I get asked to do musicals. I'd say every year I do at least two or three. It's funny because I, I'm not a huge fan of musicals, actually. Uh, but they're great compositional challenges. And, um, yeah, they definitely push you out of your comfort zone. People were probably sitting there wondering where you come from. And, and I would assume that a lot of people out there listening around the world are going to think you're from America yeah. That isn't the case, is it? Uh, and why do you have an American accent when you tell them all where you actually come from and where you've been brought up? Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's, it's a mishmash there. So I'm from Czech Republic. I was born in Czech Republic and I lived there with my family. Well, yeah, I, my family lived there for eight years and then my dad got an offer to, to move out 
and traveled through Europe with his job. He worked for a pharmaceutical company. And then we traveled through, we, we lived in, in the Balkans for some time, then we lived in Germany for some time. And the reason I have an American accent is because all this time I was going to international schools, being exposed to, I, I, for some reason, like most international kids that you meet going to international schools have this accent. I wouldn't say it's like a per se American accent, but definitely American, strongly Americanized accent. And can you speak in Czech and in German? Uh, yeah, so I, I, my, well, my parents always pushed us to pick up all the languages in where we lived. So I can speak a limited amount of Serbian and German. Uh, and I can speak Czech, of course, because it's my mother tongue. I'm trying to hold on to that and English. It's strange, actually, because English is like my work language, uh, but Czech is my, my native tongue. So if you were to, I don't know, ask me what I think of, uh, I don't know, the UK foreign policy, I would be comfortable speaking about that in English because it's like these these professional terms that um, that I use only in English. But if you were to ask me about like these really specific, like what kind of a tree is that? I don't know the words for that in English, but I know them in Czech because I just listen to them when I was young. So that, that's very interesting because now your life's wholly and completely uh, encompassed by the language of music. And you've you've made your base here in uh, Edinburgh in Scotland. You left university a few years ago. Can you maybe let the listeners know how someone... Many people want to be musicians and it's a really big dream. But for most people, it just remains a dream. How have you gone about actually getting to the point of building things up and the opportunities you've got? And how long do you think this lockdown is going to mean that you've got to wait to really pick up the ball and start running with it again? Yeah, so to that first point is how do you, I guess, turn it from a dream into something more than that? I think... I think the I would imagine that most people's goals, mine for sure, is you you dream of something really big in music, like to become one of the I don't know greatest guitar players ever have lived or something like that. And uh, okay, so you sit down, you start practicing, and you realize, oh, you know, the instruments, you know, it's kind of hard. And then you go out, you start gigging, you're like, oh, I get nervous. It's even harder to play. And then you don't get any of the gigs because you don't know the right people. Oh, it's getting even harder. And I think I would say it's these little steps that chip away uh, at at the motivation to achieve this goal. And I think that's what separates. And, and I think there's nothing wrong with that, that when you know some people decide, you know what, this is not this is not worth it. I like making music, but I um, I don't want to go through all these uh, like chipping steps. They, they are kind of demoralizing, which I would say they they are. And some people choose to to not put themselves through that. And some people do because they want it badly enough. Uh, so I would say going on to that is how do you turn it from from dream into reality? I would say you, you can't you have to um, work with your expectations. If your your goal at the start, I mean, at the very start can be to become the greatest guitar player. But you have to see the little steps as big achievements in your career. So, like, again, just for me personally, um, a year ago, I would have done maybe two years ago. Sorry, I would, I would have done like 10 gigs a year. It was like nothing, you know. And, and then this year, before the COVID thing <laughs> got on, I was doing like uh, one or two a week, 
you know, and, and and nobody knows my name, you know, or, or very limited amount of people, but that's an achievement. So yeah, I think the goal is to to see the value of these little steps that are actually really big steps. They just seem tiny next to the big dream that most people have. It's a, a difficult one to answer this, but how much does the re- dreams are free? How much does the reality differ from the dream in your experience? You know, I, I almost don't feel like it's different. I feel like when you're the dream like doesn't see the little tiny details that um, the tiny steps that are that are in between that you need to take. So I, I feel like I think the dream stays the same, but what's different is that you don't see the tiny little things you have to go through in order to achieve it, and that's what makes it seem like oh, it's actually unachievable or or, or something like that. So like uh, when I started playing guitar, you know, I I didn't think that I would have to think about building my own website and and marketing. You know, all these things they seem so separate that's definitely something that's new for musicians over the last 15 20 years where they've actually got to do so many different things and have so many different skills and there's always the danger i suppose of us spreading ourselves too thinly yeah no i would i mean i would definitely agree with that i think it's really good that it's being integrated for example into formal music education i think there should be more of that just just again relating it to me you know i i play a little bit of guitar then i have to practice my singing then my composing then do all the marketing then do some teaching and you're kind of balancing between you know having enough money so you can pursue your dream but then your dream doesn't like give you any money and it's kind of demoralizing because you have to go through these chipping steps that i described and i think again going back to that first thing i pointed out i, I don't think there's anything bad with that i i think you just have to see like do i want it you know enough to be willing to go through these steps and i think in a way maybe this is not a popular opinion but i think it's almost fair because if everyone if it was easy then when you would achieve that big dream it would like it would not mean as much you know so yes of course it's annoying that like you're trying so hard and nobody's listening to you and you're practicing so hard and nobody cares but if you would you know learn a couple of scales and chords and then people would be like here go on this big stage and become a big name it would feel empty, I think. Yeah, well, hopefully some people are listening. I certainly am. Um, <laughs> let's look at the positive side of things because, as you said, you left uh, a four-year university course with a, uh, with a good degree. You've started working in various places. So can you maybe tell the listeners about the different bands, the different ways you've got of earning money through music, whether that's teaching or through you know all the all the various streams of activity and there are many yeah yeah i i would love to uh, and i would like to say before i you know say this is like yes we we're talking about all these you know hard points but there are actually many opportunities that musicians can stay alive so that's a good thing i my journey was i i uh, became part of a a wedding band whilst i was still at uni so that was my first introduction to earning money with with music, was playing at uh, functions and everything. And then uh, started my own band in, in the final year because I thought it would might be beneficial uh, to have something already going before I leave uni so that I'm not starting from scratch after I uh, leave, which I really think was was a good decision. Then after, in, in my first year out of uni, I started another band, which uh, is... So, so the first one that I started in, 
Uni is a funk band. It's like a psychedelic funk rock band. Nine people. It's quite big. It's exhausting to run. How <laughs> do you manage to get everyone together? <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of uh, managing and um, a lot of calling and, and texting. But And a big stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other band is like a progressive rock band. It's a four piece. It's just instrumental. Then I'm uh, in uh, starting my own wedding. Well, I was starting my own wedding band until lockdown thing hit. And then I'm in that other wedding band that I mentioned. And then I also teach at a um, music school here. And then I do those occasional projects that you mentioned at the start, like writing a musical and, and such things. Now, you have also the, the whole composition thing. Uh, Honza, you're also very much interested in writing for film and indeed yeah. uh, glutton for punishment that you are. You're actually at Edinburgh University now doing an MSc in composition. Yeah, yeah. So I, I felt in all the time doing four years of performance at on my undergraduate level, I just didn't feel like I had the opportunity to pursue composition. And if there's one type of composition that I really would want to know more about, and I would not say necessarily pursue prof professionally is film composition. I think uh, it's fantastic, and I think it uh, you realize even more how much music is about telling a story uh, and and about telling people's stories and and relatable stories. And I would say it really sinks much deeper than into also like for example improvising. The, improvising, I mean, we've discussed this a while ago, you and I together. It's like it's composing on the spot. It's like quick composing, and it needs to needs to tell a story. And and uh, film music really, like, really hammers on that. Just going back a step, you have all these bands now. You are the person who actually instigated the bands, and you're the front man, and you run the band. Yeah, um, that must be quite stressful and take up a lot of time and probably a, a role that is neither thanked very much or mm. given much credence, but it must be huge. Yeah, so so with both bands, I put them together. I write all the music. Uh, I book all the gigs. I book all the practices. And I do all the online marketing for it. How long will that take? Once, you know, once we're out of lockdown again and you're going full pelt, how how much of a week would that take for both bands? I, I'm a big believer in timetables and schedules. So most bands, most times the band has one rehearsal a week for two hours. That's a top, top and tail stuff. Uh, what do you mean? Just intros, e endings, and, and make sure that the songs you already have under your... Some that we extend it when we're writing new music. Uh, and then the two hours is when we do the two hour ones is usually just focused on the performance aspect of the of the band. So like you said, like practicing uh, first tune, like how do we get on? How do we make a powerful entrance? Stuff like that. Or we practice transitions. That, that's something that I really picked up playing functions is how to make the set flow. You can't just be like, okay, we finished the song. What's the key of this next one? Ah, oh, what's the tempo? No, and and, and we you, you want sometimes to even like mix the songs together, stuff like that. We practice those things. Once you get them on the dance floor, try and keep them there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, especially with that funk band that I mentioned. You know, we play. We're quite lucky. We've gotten some uh, residencies at like um, dance venues, and and we're responsible for three hours of entertainment there. You know. And from from 12 to 3 a.m. So it's like, 
you know, it's it's a lot, and there's loads of people there. It's super warm and super sweaty, and and it has the potential to be really good or the potential to be <laughs> really bad. Um, so yeah, so so we practice uh, once a week, and um, with each band, and especially with that funk band, we do gigs every two weeks or so. And with the lockdown, have you felt that some people's uh, priorities are changing, or they're they've got a different outlook in life do you expect everything just to fall back into place when this lockdown ends and how long do you think it's going to be before people are allowed en masse into tight small areas well to that first point i think that's a really really good question i think people's priorities have definitely changed random example i've got a friend of mine who plays with you know plays with me in one of the bands and he uh, is completely sort of drop music and now spends all his time repairing cars, you know? And and uh, and I personally, because obviously because I manage all these bands all the time, so I'm in communication with people all the time. I have really, really enjoyed putting my phone down and not having to message people all the time. And again, realizing that perhaps I don't really need that in my life and, and uh, realizing that I, I actually feel quite good without it. So I, I think even personally, it's it let it's led me to some reevaluations about what what's important and what what I want. And I would expect loads of people are going through that. Again, just speaking from experience, you know, I, I know we have like a big chat for that funk band where we constantly communicate what, you know, when's the next gig, blah, 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 when's rehearsal. I've been in touch with some people from the band since lockdown, but not all of them. Perhaps it shows, you know, who I feel connected with and who actually I should be making music with and who perhaps not in any bad way, but perhaps we don't really have a connection and we're connected through consequence rather than uh, choice. It's funny that, I mean, I, I've got uh, 30 years of playing with people and uh, actually the only time we ever see each other, even although we have a great time when we're there, is would be yeah. when we're on a gig. Yeah. We, we would never, ever see each other outside of that forum, which yeah. is kind of weird. And also, sorry, just to, like, I found it really interesting that uh, the opposite way, some people I don't really chat to, and since lockdown started, I feel like a strong desire to reach out to. You know, so I feel like it, it, it works both ways uh, in that way that some people you're like, oh, you realize that the connection perhaps is uh, not that it's not there, but it's set in a in a different context, like a professional context. And some people like especially old time friends, you know, that I've, I don't ever have time to talk to uh, suddenly realize, oh, you know, maybe maybe there's there's a lot of value there that's kind of being dismissed because of the whole constant running around. Yes. So. Can we take it that you're seriously considering a solo guitar set? <laughs> um, not exactly. I mean, I don't think I'm thinking about dismissing the bands or anything, but um, I, I think I do see a little, little clearer what I probably want to do. And just because, again, this is maybe going to sound self-indulgent, but just because I manage all these bands and run them all the time, I actually realize that I'm not giving enough time to, to focus on myself. And I think that's why I've enjoyed really working out and practicing a lot more guitar because, you know, okay, maybe sitting in my room practicing four hours a day, you know, is not going to get me anywhere professionally. But I started out really wanting to understand this object better and be and feel connected to it. And in all my rush to get all the gigs and get my professional life started, I, I think I've lost connection with that a little bit. 
So, Honza, do you think you'll just go back to the way it was when, whenever that is, whenever that actually get back to normal? Because I don't think that's coming back anytime soon, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And that, that was actually your question earlier. I forgot to answer. Sorry. I, I think it was, it's going to take a while before things start up and it'll definitely start up sort of slowly. It's not like we're going to jump in and go straight back into gigging all the time. You know, we might be able to rehearse but not gig. And then what do you do? You know, if we can all meet in one room and practice, but there's nothing we're practicing for, it, it seems kind of uh, pointless. But uh, to be honest, to the other point, I, I've not even like given any thought if I will go back to everything normal or not. But I think I do want to make time, more time for physical health. Keeping in touch more with my family, actually, because obviously they live, I live abroad away from them. That's something that I want more of now a good friend of mine who's an amazing guitarist and has actually been on this podcast one of the first interviews his name's nigel clark i was just having a chat with nigel nigel uh, was saying that he thinks that the musicians will be they were the first ones out of work and they'll be the very last ones to get back into yeah. work and yeah. uh, mainstay of his income is by although it sounds glamorous uh a lot of sitting around in airport lounges, but he's going around the world playing. That's all going to change. So it will be very interesting to see how things develop long term for musicians. But one area that I wanted to bring up, and although I wanted to hear your thoughts on lockdown, was the fact you were talking about earning a living and almost there's this idea of earning a, a passive income, although most of us know there's no such thing. I think the listeners should know that I have approached you because I've known you for about six or so years. I have approached yeah. you to start writing for GMI and yeah. it's in an area that needs addressed and one that needs an authentic sound and, a, and a, a young, dynamic, fantastic musician. And you happen to be that man. Can yeah. you tell the listeners about what you're actually working on just now for GMI as an author? Yeah, I, w I would love to. I'm, I'm very excited about it, honestly. It's, to put it simply, it's just uh, a short course that is going to help people understand the technique of tapping, which is commonly used in um, progressive rock, uh, metal, uh, and, and sort of genres like that. And it's the whole idea is to demystify this technique and make it approachable and simple to use when improvising and when composing. What do you think you're going to offer Honza that isn't already out there? Well, I think, you know, a lot of the time, or at least my biggest issue when I was learning tapping was that it's it's often presented at, as this like really amazing but a separate skill to guitar that that you need to learn and you need to understand and then if you do that it's you know you're going to be like a completely different player and i think what what i'm trying to offer through this course is to show that it's 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 it can be really easily locked in with what you already know you don't have to, it's not like you play your scales then you put the guitar down have to grab another one and now you're only doing tapping what you have to learn that this is an ornament or at least i think is that this is an ornamentational technique that can be imp implemented in all kinds of ways and used in all kinds of styles. And that's another thing that I, I really hope this course will show is that like, I want to talk about how you can integrate tapping into, yes, like metal and rock and all that stuff. But sometimes it can be used in country. Like, I love playing jazz and I use it fairly loosely, but sometimes in jazz as well. And that's another thing that I want this course to focus on, that this is an ornamentational technique, simple 
beautiful and versatile. You're not only creating videos, but you're going to be creating a book for it as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So I, again, another thing that kind of touches on both of the questions you asked is that I think a lot of the time tapping is, you know, it's, it's done on video and, and, and it looks lightning fast and looks super cool, but people don't really have time to, to analyze what's actually going on. And perhaps maybe even they learn the physical sensation of it, but they don't understand why what they're playing works in the context that they're playing it in. So that's why we're developing this book, or that's why I'm, I'm developing this book, is I want to put it all in notation, in tap, and then also in a diagram where, you know, just like the fret diagram where you see where all your fingers are moving. So you can understand it on different levels. And perhaps if you don't use sheet music, that's fine. Those two other diagrams are there. Or perhaps you only use sheet music. But the idea is that you, you are understanding it from a theoretical, you have the potential to understand it from a theoretical physical and observational point of view that's what really got me excited about this project in terms of gmi i'm writing for gmi we have jamie acres who's also on a podcast well back who's doing who does renaissance music and classical guitar and the books that he's brought out one of which was the theorbo and we've got a wonderful uh, video of jamie talking about the theorbo which is on the gmi guitar music institute YouTube channel if you want to have a check out of that it's amazing but now this sort of third leg of the stool so to speak with Honza you addressing rock and pop the important thing just to stress here is that if you can't read music you'll still be able to use this book and use these videos yeah 100% and I think you know that's why the videos are there I mean I'm a huge fan and supporter of learning through video but over time, and you know, especially like focusing when I'm becoming more serious about guitar, I've le- learned the huge value of having something physical before you that can be. And you know, you don't have to use the videos all the time. You don't have to use the book all the time. The idea is that you have these tools that are complementary to each other, and they can create, they can help you achieve like a full understanding of it. You know, I, this is what I mean. You know, people usually see tapping, and I feel like it. it it's a really sort of interesting tool that you want to learn quickly and there's nothing wrong with that but there's one thing being able to play a lick in one place of the guitar and that's it but what i'm hoping to do with this book is that you understand how it works why it works and how it can be reapplied you know and when you see i'm you know great guitarists of guthrie govan steve Vai, joe satriani to name just a few these guys they fly around the guitar neck because they're so free with their technique and 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 Tapping takes them where they want, and um, have have you found it's um, challenged your own technique just going through some of these things? No, yeah, hugely. Um, because obviously I'm putting all the exercises together, and you know I thought I know how to tap, and then I'm developing all these exercises which I figured would be useful for for somebody to learn this in a wholesome way, and I found gaps in my knowledge, and that's and that's great, very encouraging, and also I think a good sign that. We're working towards creating a course that does actually help you create like a really strong base. Now we are looking around around a November launch of this course and book. Yeah, well, that's definitely something for people to look out for. Now I just wanted to chat a little about future work. You're also got a a new musical that you're working on for someone in the Czech Republic. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. It's uh, more of kind of like a favorite through a family friend. Um, but they they are a theater company that has been hit by COVID as well. 
and uh, they had to put the show off. And then amongst all of it, I heard that the guy who wrote the music originally decided that the music is actually, you know, really good and he wants to copyright it and use it somewhere else. So, you know, a bit of extra drama there. So they've got, you know, they they had it all ready to go. Then the guy runs off with the copyright and then COVID comes. So the whole show came crumbling down and uh, I'm currently writing the songs using his songs as kind of like inspiration for it. So you're, are they asking you to pastiche his songs? I wouldn't say, I mean, yeah, I suppose, yes, yeah. So you got to be careful, five notes and all that. <laughs> no, I think, you know how it is, like, you, you work towards a, a product or whatever, and then and then you, you see it all done, and that's your defined way, the way you see, like, okay, that works. And then when somebody offers you a different solution, even though it might be a good one, it's sometimes hard to unhear what you heard, you know. How long is it going to take to put this together, and is there, is there any time limit on this, Honza? I think they won't know when the actual musical is going to be presented, do they? Yeah, so we have a provisional deadline for um, September. And I think, I mean, I'm really hoping to get it done at least in its first form in uh, by the end of uh, June or start of July. But, you know, musicals are, are tricky. Some songs, some I, I'm really experiencing that with this. It's just, it's something just doesn't... It all sounds like a song, and yet it, it's because obviously it's not just about writing really good music. It needs to tell the story, just like the film music. It needs to tell the story that's being told in the script, and you can just feel it out of a song where it's uh, just doesn't sit right, you know. And because I I've been thrown into this so last minute, and the guys already have this preconceived version of what the music should be, I'm finding it really hard to navigate um, navigate through this and and write something that you know they want, but also something that I consider good <laughs> yeah. it sounds like the a little bit the alex north score for the film was it 2001 it came out in the 70s or something anyway they actually had temp music oh yeah yeah i know this is, is it strauss uh, anyway they they basically got so used to it that they dumped his score just before the film was released they didn't even tell alex who turned up for the screening to find out that his music wasn't on it. Jed, I think it's Planet of the Apes that it happened with. Was it? I well, think it's Planet of Alex the Apes. North was yeah. definitely the composer. Maybe uh, people out there across the around the globe can uh, put me right on that one, but uh, I'll be straight on to Google after this podcast. He wasn't told, I remember. I mean, can you imagine? This guy pours his... You know, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine. That is just shows you how <laughs> awful it is. But that's the trouble with temp tracks. And yeah. preconceived musical ideas. So you you have my sympathy. It's been really great chatting with you. I just wanted to know, do you have any advice for young musicians starting out who, with this lockdown, it's unprecedented in our lifetimes. Anyone who's alive has never had to go through this. So mm. we're all kind of making it up as we go along. Some people perhaps are struggling more than others. What would your advice, Onza, be to young people around the world who are musicians and not actually getting to do and meet their friends, etc. Hmm. I would say that definitely in terms of music, I would advise that this is the greatest time you have to pursue things and options that you don't usually have time to do. So if, if there's something 
You know, you've been wanting to open that drop two book for ages and uh, drop two chords for ages and you haven't because it looks intimidating. Now's the time to do it. If, you know, you've been wanting to build your own website, but it looks so intimidating because of all the random things you have to, now's the time to do it. And I think in terms of advice from for young musicians in general, just from speaking from my own experience, I would say just patience and and endurance because... And so, yeah, and like I said at the start, celebrate the little things. When you get your first gig and five people show up, that's a good thing. You know, you got the gig. People, Some people came to see you. That That is already more than you had a day ago. I mean, I remember watching a, a great you know interview with, with Herbie Hancock, and, and, and he talks about the fact that getting better at music, is it's not like a race. It's not like you have to achieve one thing. The, the idea is that you're just, you just want to be better tomorrow than you are today so if yesterday you didn't have a gig and today you're going to the gig you are better that's that's all you need so i would say that's my main advice well i think that was tremendously uplifting uh honza thanks very much for taking part in this podcast good luck with the rest of lockdown even though scotland's slowly coming out of it other places have i think the czech republic has already hasn't it the republic's doing better yeah yeah so honza thanks very much Well, that's the end of another show, and it's just such an extraordinary time, as I said at the beginning. How do we come out of this? What's going to happen next? No one really knows, but listening to what Honza had to say, I'm confident that the young people, as always, will rise to the challenge and find ways of expressing themselves, ways of making a living, and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing the course and book that Honza has or is preparing for GMI. So what is your experience of lockdown? Have you found this a good time to be a musician? Is it helping you do all the things you've been putting off? Or has it just been a time of sadness because you just love to play live and you've not been getting that opportunity and perhaps your entire living is made out of pure performance? We'd love to hear what you've got to say. Finally, please share this podcast. The numbers, as I've mentioned in the last one, although I don't regularly record, the numbers just keep going up, which is kind of odd, but very encouraging. And it helps me endeavour to make the time to talk to other people, wherever they are, wherever I think there'll be something of interest to you, the listener. So please share. Anyway, from me, Jed Brocky, stay safe in this time and until I speak to you again bye for now